0: Whenever I play, I'm always deeply listening. I'm listening to the instrument, listening to myself, listening to my the space, listening to the people I'm with, and listening to nature and spirit. So that day, as I'm listening and hearing the vibrations go, I hear the birds sing, you know, the birds are singing, birds like... And it's at night, man. It's not, like, it's not like in the morning, you know, when it's like, oh, all the birds have woken up. It's at night where usually all you hear is cars. So you wouldn't expect birds in the, that way, you know, and birds are such a deep spiritual message within the African consciousness, uh, connecting to Abelos, you know, the whistlers, the high frequencies that connect to the ringing of the ears when we're talking about calling, uh, how animals relate to the spiritual ecology uh, and music of Southern Africa, or sound te- technology. So, there they are, you know, singing, but it's not like one bird, you know, it's like a group, a flock, <laughs> and they're going and they're going and I'm just like yo and they're giving me energy and I, I think I was playing the flute at that time I could be wrong I'm going and as I'm going there's a gecko that comes through to the stage and I don't know if people saw I stopped playing at some point I greeted the gecko, I go back and I'm playing, I'm listening to the birds and I'm just like okay Yeah, I'm in the right place right now, I'm at the right frequency because these are important omens and signs that I've been taught through my initiations, to be wary and conscious of mm-hmm. the arrival of sacred animals in sacred processes, mm-hmm. and Ukungula and Oktanda as sacred processes.
1: From the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town, this is the ICA podcast. Where we interview South African artists and curators who perform or curate live interdisciplinary works. I'm Nkhopulang Molo'i, host of the season three of the ICA podcast, and you are listening to episode five, featuring music practitioner Ngosinati Koyela and his 2022 performance, Ukunula Ukutandas. Through this work, Goela meditates on practices of prayer through sound. Focusing on the vibrational power of words, chanting, and incantations, Goela explores healing practices, indigenous music therapies, and ritual making. Ukungula Kukutandaza takes place at UCT Hidden Campus on a warm Sunday evening. The audience sits under a large tree in front of the egyptian building facing the musicians a soft green light illuminates the stage creating a beautiful scenery of tranquility in today's episode ngosinati koela transports us into the world of prayer through his meditative offering ukungula kukutandas So, let's begin with your name.
0: Ngos Enati means uh, God that is with us. Um, God with us, depending on you know, the translation. But mm. yeah, that's the intention. But Ngos is obviously Almighty King, God, mm. and Enati is who is with us. I only found out about my name Ngos Enati very recently, maybe about five, six years ago uh-huh. because uh, my parents had continuously called me by a nickname which was Ernie in English but it was derived from my grandmother who nicknamed me Eni, that came from Enati Ngos Enati uh-huh. so then over time, the system, being the system it is and. Uh, the whitewashing of our names it turned to Ernie Mm -hmm. and so that's what I went about for the longest time until I had to go till I started having my visions and I uh, my my spiritual calling and vocation became a lot stronger Mm -hmm. and I had to search back like who am I and all of these things and then a big thing was the naming growing and in my re- like engaging with music from a young age um so music in the sense that i understood it as music because that's how the environment that i was in understood it mm-hmm. so you study music maybe you'll go and i was you know studied percussion but i also played and was around uh, church music because my parents were christian my 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 parents parents were you know so they chanted those chants. Uh, so there's always the this, this sounds happening, but there's different genres or ideas or understandings of those sounds in context. And I remember when I was then on my own musical, or let's call it musical journey right now, I'm, I'm studying per- percussion in, in late in high school, involving myself in primary school and all these sound activities but always needing to box them in these paradigms that exist so, and I have to study it a certain way and having a bit of a disjoint in attention regarding that. And so that informed my, my understanding when I later went deeper into what was always there for me, which was indigenous practices and indigenous instrumentalism or music, whatever you'd like to call it. And really like diving into, re-diving into that world within the physical and the spiritual sense really helped me to think about what happened to the musical landscape or the sound landscape or spiritual landscape of Southern Africa and Africa as a continent. And through my master's, uh, I then went deeper into that 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 research to say what is music and what isn't music, what is sound, you know, and coming to you know sound as a mechanism of vibration. And that what are our ears doing? What do our, does our body do? What does our spirit do when it engages with vibration? And understanding within the African cosmologies, sound is such an important vibration is such an important technology. And then thinking about then when I talk to people and they're like ah oh, you're just performing, people are just performing, or that's just music, realizing that all of these words have connotations and are stringed in etymologies and uh, almost contexts in which they are derived from, and realizing that that informs in the way we think about and engage with practices. And that misrepresentation, as Kofi Agaw speaks about it, and the colonization force of the tonality of music in the African continent, we start to understand that our spiritual and ceremonial and cultural practices, being so uh, intertwined with the the consciousness of vibration as an energy, then later distorted as some performative music, or then misrepresented as witchcraft and evil, all of these systems built themselves up to devalue the, the consciousness of sound within the continent. And so we are using other ways of understanding Western choral which came through the church, other ways of understanding what music and praise are. The title is Ukunula Guptandas and Ukunula is to recite uh, is to pray, to call forth light. Um, so that's the title of the body of work. And uh, how I came about that title was I was really very much interested in the phenomenon of recitation and prayer within an indigenous ecology of knowing that really focuses on sound as a medium and a technology to to, to activate energy of umoya, yeah, but to activate energy in whatever sense. Then it was centralizing that activation of energy through the process of reciting and and prayer. But ugumula at the same time is to recite your genealogy, perhaps to say I'm so and so begot by so and so and so and so and so and so. Right, and usually you'll find it in the context of intombe yamadeka or or whatever the case may be, that it's got a rhythmic element once people get into the energy and the spirit of it. When Moya takes over, now they're reciting, but it becomes, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like they're drawing musical energy, but at the same time, drawing spiritual energy through this phenomenon of like praising. And so I was thinking about that way with the divide of not music, prayer, not playing, reciting. Um, within the ecology of indigenous practices to get deep into what I'm researching is just the depth of the technology of Ngoma.
1: about Ngoma, and I think maybe we're kind of assuming there's an understanding there, but I know it's like something quite deeper than just song, which would be the literal translation. So maybe speak to us about that a little bit in a way that helps frame what Ngoma as a practice is.
0: Yeah, that's an uh, amazing point. So pivotal, you know, pivotal to really get the foundations of that question of understanding what is the consciousness and ecology of Ngoma because Sometimes you're like oh people are like ah oh, ngoma a drum, oh ngoma a song, you know ngoma so many things within the language of the people. A band, uh, we have different languages. However, we also have an institution of ngoma and an ecology that we seldom speak about and understand. And so, part of my research led me to find that you know people would talk. For example, Jansen speaks about ngoma as a proto-bandu cognate consciousness this is a consciousness that exists a way of knowing and being a proto-band before we maybe even call ourselves a band a way of being that that governed how we interrelate with this thing called life and this thing called ceremony this thing called living this thing called eating this thing called praying singing chanting spiritual devotional you know almost the interrelated processes of what we call community was woven by this concept of Ngoma, which is important for us to really distinguish then, because then we need to understand that, like, what are the tools that we're looking to, and what are the ways of living that we're looking at when we're saying we're trying to get outside of coloniality and, colonia and colonization. Usually people would think, oh, we had nothing; we don't have anything before, or we're so assimilated, or we've been so... Contorted that we don't even know or remember what our practices and way of just being, living. And we primitivize it. Make it seem like it's primitive or like we weren't engaged in tech, philosophy, astronomy, science, even language. What we choose to name things. Like we take for granted, like these things are connected to people unpacking the spiritual and physical and metaphysical phenomenon. And Goma is at the heart of that. It's not a song. Ingoma is a song. Ubungoma is the uh, practice of devotion to the path of divination or priesthood. So we need to, we really need to know what we're talking about when we're saying Goma and ritual. And practice. We need to really define these words for ourselves, so that we can have a clear idea of what. And that's what I'm interested in: the consciousness of Goma as a, a way of being, and that is the heart of the PhD. And that practice of Ugumula Gugtanda I
1: also want to talk about um, the body as an instrument, uh, particularly voice which was such a kind of critical component of the performance particularly towards the end take us through that a little bit
0: the the body and the voice are, as instrument is really crucial to the practice of ngom you know as an institution of knowing because it becomes the main medium in which the activation of vibration stems from so if you understand the movement practice as a rhythmic and a vibrational practice and you understand the vocal cords as st- stringing cords that are vibrating in order to produce sound whether it be through the medium of air or breath whether it be through the medium of tension and release uh, these concepts are, are, are so embedded in the, the practice of sound and so when we're talking about ukunqula and Ugutandaza, so we we always seeing the body becoming a mechanism to generate that energy and as it is the primary instrument so i wanted to make that very clear within the practice that it is a in, it's, it's a communal but it's also an individual embodied practice just like musical strings the one string then relates to the next string and the next string and that is what creates our chord or that's what creates our harmony, our melody and yeah so that's why the body was so central to that practice and the voice so central because so often we are, we can clearly imagine chanting as like something that someone embodies, sitting in whatever posture and they're using their voice without instrumentation. Um, but the body is an instrument and so is the voice and so when we supplement the instrumentation it is an extension or a relationship there and not something outside of
1: i love also how you speak about the sense of kind of the individual versus the community which is a really nice segue into the collaborators that you had for the performance who are they, and do you guys work together all the time, or is it just kind of for this performance? Um, how did that come about?
0: So, for this offering of ukunula gugutandas, I wanted to think about who in my lifetime have I encountered that I feel like think about uh, these type of concepts that we're speaking to, or come from a context of sound practice that almost I can understand it fitting. I then called on my partner Iman because Iman was coming from understanding music uh, and practicing music but also coming from growing up in Islam and practicing Islam also knowing that there's a tension that exists within what is music as being haram and what is a recitation uh, within that practice and also knowing that in that context there's a lot of scholarly thought around that so I was interested okay here we have uh, a practice coming from the Middle East where I'm doing that through the practice of Ngoma, engaging in that practice and that okay, good, bad, music, play, uh, right, wrong, sound, healing, medicine, all these concepts. So her contribution there was through the recitation, of the, I think it was the 99 names, 100 names of God. So the first recitation was naming in, in Arabic the different names that in Islam they, that God has, or well, the word God, you know, what we understand as God is. Um, and that was the first you know, recitation, creating a song both for that and getting that, you know, just speaking that, you know, this is the title that we name the Almighty. This language, in the spiritual paradigm, underrooted by the drone of Uadi, a bow that we have from here, uh, and then later contributed just through chants by Uslov. He was coming from the practice of negotiating opera um, as people of color and the practice of opera and uh, thought okay I really want to collaborate someone who's not necessarily working with indigenous sound in the sense that I am but working in the same landscape as me with different sonic practice with the sound that has similar ideas of breath and spirit and energy The borders of sound, you know, the borders of genres are so interesting to play with and to, to enjoy. And I think that's where the voice and the imagination and the acclimatization of the ear and the colonisation of the ear and the body in terms of what we're given as music to listen to and what we think is indigenous, what we think is not. I really think that that's such an a, an amazing journey for all of us to go to go on to increase our vibrational palates. And so this is why I chose certain instruments as well because I realized that some people may never have heard a certain instrument or seen it ever before, but it comes from, it's in, indigenous to the place. And so one of those being, for example, is umkhube. Umkhube is a, uh, it's a bow in the sense of the only way I can describe it is if people imagining a, a bow and arrow, I guess. Umkhope is just the body of, let's say, the arrow, you know, just the body and a string, you know, bent. Uh, it has a shooting peg or not. It doesn't have a resonator. You put it in your mouth and your mouth then becomes, the body then becomes the resonator for the instrument. What's so important is that some people, as I said, may have not have seen an instrument before, may not have known its texture, even if it's indigenous to the place. So we don't know the history, let alone knowing the concept of music as a conceptual study in the continent, how pivotal it is to our self-actualization. So umkhobe being depending on how you play it. As a friction bow, it's called umkhobe because it goes... As a, as a percussive bow, it's called umka and I'm interested in these words so for example we have uh, um, uh, to compose or to create So we have all these words that are connected to each other being one of the deities or uh, supreme beings in, in, in in the cosmology of the Nguni you know so now We understand composition, creation, music. All of these concepts now follow into the use of the word because our words always have roots as to why we use them. When you play it, the sounds of the techniques, how to breathe, where to position, where to move your body, how to make your mouth the resonator, how you are almost eating the frequencies of the instrument and they are then embedded within your your body as a vibrational being and then accessing parts like your heart and changing the rates of vibration within your lungs, within your mind, your brain. What music and the instrument holding it, seeing it, feeling it, touching it, it triggers that self actualization that I was telling you about. Because most often, even for me, once I started to hear certain sounds like the instrument, it then strung the consciousness of memory and remembering or longing and knowing that I need to undergo and learn deep about certain things. And I'm praying that in that prayer that I can do that also for others. So that they can know some of this information or even build on. Yeah is then the same body of the bow but now it has a resonator being the calabash iselwa um, and that calabash is the womb of music in Africa man that's where all a lot of our music is stimulated. The calabash iselwa is the same thing we use as corner. you know it's this it's a it's a spiritual tech. We have consciousness of spirit, with water, with medicinal herbs with carrying medicine, with carrying grain, carrying amasi, and then as musical, as a musical instrument, or a device. A is then an East African lyre harp, which is eight-stringed, coming from Uganda, but it's found in Cameroon, it's found in Gabon, but it is also was found in the hieroglyphs in ancient Kemet, where you see hieroglyphs of people playing this lyre, you know, this harp-like instrument. So, five strings, seven strings, eight strings, twelve strings you know, depending on the region. Stolotolo, the one that I have here. Uh, Stolotolo being the jaw harp, Jew harp, depending on where. Many names found all over the place, uh, but played in Southern Africa as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are the instruments I played. Uh, and I think those, the reason why I chose all of those is because of how they connect to different air, as breath, mumkope, friction, Uh, The voice, as i mentioned about the voice, the strings, uh, these were all in the spirit of, you know, for me, that higher realm of sound, you know. Allowing the people to receive the spirit, the deep spirit of that sound, seeing it, hearing it, tasting the vibrations, letting them just sit on their body.
1: Another body of work you've spoken about in Kaba, um, and in a way, I guess this question is about Inkaba but also maybe contextualizing for people who are listening, how your work has kind of changed and morphed, and how it like relates to each other. Like, what are the connections again? Oh
0: man, in Kaba, yo, man, that was uh, I was yeah, I was reflecting on that body of work to be like, you know. This is where it comes, a lot of this comes from. Inkaba. let me have a simple explanation. Inkaba is the umbilical cord, you know, it's the umbilical cord of a child that then is put into the ground. Um, and so it's to signify that you are, remember, connected to this home, to the ground, to our ancestral, then to Umoya, but also umnombo. Umnombo being our, what I would contextualize as the spiritual umbilical cord. And so the body of work was journeying my journey home at that time to really say, okay, I was at the point where I'm relearning or digging digging deep into this consciousness of who I am and uh, really connecting to this phenomenon of Ngoma. And so I created a musical body of work that really represented that journey for me. Going to Lesotho, going to uh, Eastern Cape, going then to other places of, of connecting home spiritually, KZN, Swaziland, Mozambique, and connecting with masters. And so Linkaba then made me realize after birthing the work, that anywhere in the world, even on the continent, there are bones that are connected to me. I have a right anywhere. I have a spiritual right, as much as a physical, and we all do. We need to do that work to be like, where are we connected? And how does that bridge? We are from, it's one, that, 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 that chord. So anywhere that I go, I have the right. And I, and it's not that I have the rudeness. It's not that I have the disrespect, but I need to know that I have the right to be there. Because when I stand on that ground, I know that I'm connecting to, long-distance connection that is going to give me information now.
1: Um, the feeling that you wanted to embody, but also that you wanted people to experience with this performance, um, what would you say?
0: Uh, it was a very difficult one because I, to be honest, have, n- I have my intention when conceptualizing is that people will then get into that energy of recitation and prayer in whatever context in which they come from, you know, and then go home being like, you know, let me speak some words into my life and actualize them, or let me pray, or whatever the case may be, you know, let me do that. That's my intention. However that's done, or if the seed is planted and then you do it 10 years down the line, that's the intention.
1: Speak to us about uh, kind of the process that led you to Creating that work, so here I'm talking like the actual like nuts and bolts. You know, I sit down and I like write on the the prayer, or I do this, I do that. Um, What that process looks like? Amazing.
0: The 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 process that we took was was it was literally praying. That's all, and then playing. You know, it was doing both praying, playing, reciting, imagining, and just getting in immersed in that type of space. I had the thought, like, this is what I'd like us to do. These are my suggestions of how we can do it. This is the tech we'll use, This, and I'll organize all of those things, but then I leave you to bring that. I will just nudge it through. If you saw that I was using, for example, a loop station where I could loop certain sounds, so I said, I can cre- I'll create the bed at the beginning, the foundation, and then all of us work on top of it, and underneath it, and around it, and break it, etc. We're sitting in the same spot, cycling, cycling, because that's chanting. That cycle, that cycle, and Ngoma uses the circle as such an important shape within its practice uh, of the of the the Uro, the rendezvous. Um, and the kalabash, the lot circles, but even in the music, it's that cycle. And you realize that it's the in, it's infinity. You realize potential exists within that space. And so when we have a very short concentration span, we get tired. But if you even listen to yogis or people who practice yoga, they say you need to break past that, that expectation and that uh, impatience. And that's when you reach a new state of consciousness. people uh, one question was like why would you put things like that into performativity you know on stages and I'm like I always have this conversation what makes something a performance is it the audience is it uh, is it that we're relating to everyone in a certain way is that there's a stage and you know does that make it a performance and if I break those modalities does it make it not a performance but I'm also realizing that I'm dealing with what I have Because sound people in Africa were also messengers They went around So the griots, for example, in Mali They're going around reciting the genealogy of the kingship Or the the politics, etc Tuareg music was doing the same thing Resistance movie, Chimurenga was doing the same thing It's messaging So I'm fulfilling my role Uh, You know, sending the message In the time that I'm in So you might think it's a performance That's because that's your thing But I know what I'm doing
1: question is what is prayer to you
0: oh man oh man what a lovely question I've been sitting with this for the longest time say okay how do we pray and how do we meditate and for me what I was doing is exactly that so people are like ah oh, prayer happens where you're sitting still and your hands are like in the the, the bless sign on the emoji, and you're under a, a roof or whatever. And I'm like, okay, sure, but what are the images that are associated with in this context of ngong And then I think, okay, people standing up and reciting, and you know, wherever I've seen people pray, you know, they're playing in different spaces using different tech some people by our hands, you know they're dancing they're moving and they're praying now they're getting into a deep prayer physical and embodied prayer so i want to bring these to the fore that we, and when someone's like ah oh, you're not you pray like that and i respect you we pray like this respect me and i want us to become warriors of this consciousness you know we need to really be able to assert that this is how we do it you know to raise umbilini, our vibrational levels up. <laughs> so, I pray through sound. Sound is the medium by which I pray. Uh, sound, no, is and vibration are the medium which I activate those those lines. It's easy sometimes. Very difficult at the time. Get tired. I get confused. I wonder. But that's life. That's the consciousness of life. That's the consciousness of more, It's that. Continually maintaining the instrument of the body and the soul and the voice and continuously maintaining, recycling, tuning. Life is music, you know, in that way, so that's my, 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 my way of how I venerate the Almighty in the best way that I can. I've been designed to do this.
1: The ICA podcast is a production of the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town. It is hosted by me Nkhopuleng Muloi and produced and edited by Catherine Bull. Music in this episode is from Kosinati Koyela's Ukungu Lakukutandaza presented at the 2022 ICA Live Art Festival.